Hi, everyone. It's Jivana. I just want to come on for a moment and thank our sponsor, Offering Tree. They're an all-in-one, easy-to-use, community-backed business that saves you time, energy, and money as a yoga teacher. Offering Tree allows you to create a website in less than 30 minutes. Plus, you get a discount through Accessible Yoga. Just go to offeringtree.com backslash accessible yoga to get your discount today. Okay, here's our episode. Welcome to the Love of Yoga podcast. I'm your host, Anjali Rao. This podcast explores the connections between the teachings of yoga for self and collective transformation. We dive into how spirituality and philosophy can ignite social change. I share conversations with folks who are on the front lines of justice and liberatory movements, thought leaders and change makers, disruptors and healers. Love is an act of will, both an intention and an action, said Bell Hooks. When it comes to building spaces of care or movements for social change, we're challenging many norms of the dominant culture. As of today, there are over 426 anti-LGBTQ bills in the United States. And as one of my guests, Tristan, today states, allyship is a verb. Solidarity across all identities is integral. It is a sacred intention and an ongoing practice. How do we move beyond the perfunctory? How do we disrupt the performativeness that is so common in yoga, wellness, and social media? Joining me today are two of my beloved friends, colleagues, and co-conspirators, Rudraksh Chand and Tristan Katz. Rudraksh is an organizer, anti-carceral practitioner of abolition, lifelong student of yoga, and an artist at large. Tristan Katz is a trans queer equity inclusion facilitator, consultant, teacher, space holder, and creator of courses on conscious marketing. They are also on the board of Accessible Yoga and are working on their first book. I'm so stoked and honored to have this conversation with you both together. And let's dive right in. Rudraksh and Tristan, welcome to the Love of Yoga podcast. Hi. Hi, thanks for having us, Anjali. Thank you for having us, AKR. How did you find your way into yoga? Let's let's start with that, Rudraksh. <clears throat> wow, the, the real intense question right away. Right away, yes. Oh, <clears throat> I started... Uh, First of all, it's an ancestral practice. So I grew up with a lot of the teachings. Um, and then I started the formal practice of it um, just three or four years ago when my mom died. And so the grief of that was too much for me to bear alone because as a trans person, like um, uh, 
not everyone shares the, the same story, but as a trans person, like I was not allowed to mourn with my family. I was not welcomed back to the home. So I had to find other ways. And, you know, at that point, drugs, alcohol, and um, other activities, they weren't hidden, they weren't cutting it. So I needed something that was really gonna help me move through this grief and hold, hold me down, you know? And uh, that's when I turned to yoga. And I wanna give a shout out to my first um, teacher, Artist Smith, who's in the West Coast right now. So thank you so much, teacher, for that first uh, intro class, because it changed my life forever. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing to Drash. Justin, what about you? I had a very different <laughs> introduction to yoga. Um, as a white person, I have the more standard white person introduction to yoga. <laughs> um, but I, I first um, found yoga 20 years ago uh, in the form of, of Bikram yoga. I, I was, yep, I was all in on that, on that hot path um, and really enjoyed the physical practice, had never been much of a physical person in my life and found that asana was a really beautiful way for me to explore being in my body in, in a way that I had never experienced. Um, and it took me Oh God. I mean, I, I did it all right. I did all the hot yoga stuff. I did the vinyasa stuff. I did the Hatha stuff. Like I went to all, all the classes for years, but it, I think it took like 10 years before anybody said anything about philosophy. Like, I don't think anybody mentioned the sutras or the Gita. Like, I think it was like 10 solid years of being in asana classes before anybody said anything about some other aspect of yoga. <laughs> and um, I just knew that something was weird though, because I was like, why are we all white people chanting? Or like, what, like, what is going on here? Like, I was very confused by it. I was really resistant to like drinking the Kool-Aid as it were, even though I was also drinking it, you know? Um, I was drinking it, but I was like, but I'm not gonna do that part. And so it took me a long time to figure out what was happening. and. Um, and a long time too to discover the full breadth of the teachings and the practice. Um, and since then, I yeah, I've been I've been a student. I've been a I was a teacher at one point. I don't really consider myself a yoga teacher anymore. Um, but it's a it's a big part of my life, and it's really been a big part of my own healing in a and my own coming to know myself too. I've been thinking a lot about this. How I I don't think I would know my self as a trans person if I hadn't if I hadn't had the teachings and practices of yoga um as particularly asana I think that my asana practice helped me learn how to hear my my own body and it was my body that told me no I'm not that right mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. oh thank you thank you for sharing and I think all of us can identify that we all have different ways of coming into the practices of yoga. Um, so I appreciate the asana part because that's what the majority here, especially in the United States, get into the practices of yoga. Um, I always share this, that the yoga spaces are often, you know, a reflection, a microcosm of the dominant culture. And people always feel that, oh, the yoga spaces are something which, which are 
devoid of politics or, uh, but it's very much a part of uh, and reflection of what's going on in the outside world. And I will first ask this to Rudraksh and then maybe Tristan can share. How do you see the dominant culture showing up in terms of maybe uh, the gender binary or caste or whatever else you want to share about? How do you see the dominant culture manifesting in yoga spaces? You just do a quick search online and you see what shows up visually mm -hmm. since that reflects our real lives. I think everyone, I'm trying to be like polite with my words because I know everyone's going to hear this and it's going to be on forever. But honestly, it's really just some skinny white people, able-bodied people in these places. And yeah. um, it's violent, it's aggressive, it's disrespectful. It needs to be stopped. I don't see any like actual outreach from this community of folks to actually include other folks that are not like them, that, you know, while they're like appropriating and weirdly teaching um, this ancient practice, this death practice, this healing practice, like, it's just like so much disrespect. And then forget about seeing trans bodies. Like, I don't even, I don't even wanna, we don't even need to talk about that, so. Yeah. I'm just, what was the, there was a second part of your question, right? Maybe I could pause here. Yeah, that's fine. Thank you. No, absolutely. Uh, the Google search is a very visual uh, reminder of how the yoga spaces are are seen in, in, in media. And uh, just how do you, what do you think? How do you see the dominant culture showing up in yoga spaces? Well, this is like the really interesting thing is that as a, as a white small bodied person who I, I I consider myself on the disability spectrum, but for all intents and purposes, I'm able-bodied. Um, and I, ha I have financial privilege, like at, at, given all of these points of my, my privileged identities, on some level, you'd think that yoga in the West is made for me, but I never felt that it was actually. Yes, I had access, right? I had access to going to the asana classes. Um, I had financial access to pay for the freaking, let's not even get started on like the nature of drop-ins and, and, and studio membership and like who has access to that, right? Um, that's one way we can start to see that, oh, look, look at how culture is playing out in the yoga space. Like certain people have financial access to these spaces, first of all. But apart from that, I was going in, to a lot of studio classes feeling othered. Um, and, and so again, I wanna go back to like, yes, for, from, from a superficial perspective, these, this, these spaces are designed for me, given that I hold these points of privilege. And at the same time, I never felt accepted in them. Um, and I couldn't figure out why, because I thought I was a girl. <laughs> but when I realized I wasn't a girl or a woman, it's and 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 also when I started to own my sexuality as a queer person, as a gay person, like it all started to fit together that yes, superficially these spaces were designed for someone with my points of privilege. But then when I dug deeper, I felt othered, I felt unseen, I felt I mean, I can't tell you how many times I would go to a studio regularly and people wouldn't bother to learn my name or acknowledge my existence. And I think part of that is because I don't have a 
my body doesn't fit beauty norms. Um, uh, and, and so there was this constant dance of like, we want you here, you're welcome here, all are welcome here is the story, is the story I was being fed in a lot of spaces, but also feeling like completely unseen and othered. Um, and then like the deeper things of, you know, I, I started considering what it might be like for someone who is, who is in another body to come into these spaces, right? Like somebody in a black body and in, in, in an indigenous body, but also in a, at the time I didn't realize I was trans. And when I started to think about trans folks coming into these spaces, I started to feel really um, defensive and protective. Um, and I thought I was just being a good ally. I'm putting that in quotes. Like this is the you know pathway for so many trans folks is like we start with allyship and then we realize that we're caring about allyship because it's actually quite personal. And when I realized that I was trans, then I started to put all the pieces together that I, there is a norm that's upheld in yoga, just as there is a norm upheld in dominant culture. And that norm is to Rudraksh and, and the point that they made, that norm is white, skinny, able-bodied, um, and I would argue cisgender and heterosexual and, you know, middle class, if not upper middle class. And when I started to realize that I didn't fit into those norms, I didn't know where to fit then in yoga culture in this, in this culture. Um, and that's a big part of why I've stopped going to studios. I mean, yes, COVID was a big part of that too, but even since things have reopened, whatever that means, I don't feel comfortable in studio spaces anymore. Um, and it's a, it's a big a part of that is because there's a lot of people who aren't there and like, why aren't they there, right? Nobody wants to talk about it. Well, I just, I want to, I really appreciate you bringing up the word othered. I think that's a word that really lands for a lot of trans folks. And um, I don't, I don't think a lot of people are actually teaching yoga. So I've been to, I've been a, a, a devoted student for the past two or three years. I don't remember. My memory is not a thing anymore. And I've like learned from so many teachers and they are not teaching yoga. They are not teaching yoga. This YTT machine is churning out these like half-baked wannabe practitioners and it's just not hitting so then they go to these studios so there's like these you know and it's not only white folks with the YTT it'd be our own people that like give white white folks the per permission to then continue that because they're like oh this brown person is doing it so we could do this shit too so yoga is actually not being taught <laughs> And this needs to be examined. What is yoga? And also, it's it, it's not meant to be taught. When you were going, you 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 were talking about these studios. You're going to these studios. It was never also be meant to be taught to like fifty people, forty people, in a heated room. What is that? Stop doing that shit. Stop doing hot yoga. Bikram, cancel him. Um. So, but you know, yoga is. So you we have to teach it to small groups. And I hate to break it to the yoga capitalists out there, but you're not going to make money in yoga. It is against the teachings and the practice to commodify the teachings and then mass sell it to people. If you are making money in yoga, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> this is a hard pill to swallow. It is a very hard path to be a yoga teacher. Yeah, I'm saying you could have a side hustle. We're in capitalism. Everybody needs to make money. Get a side hustle. Every you can't, you can't yoga can't be the main hustle. And finally, I want to say that yoga can't. This is all notes from you from your thing, Tristan. 
the gender stuff that really got to me because it is not su supposed to be even taught in any sort of a gender sort of a way where one is conscious of one's gender during the class. It has to be taught in a very gender, like neutral in a very, you can't be doing saying things like uterus or ovary, you know, like, please relax. These cis women yoga teachers out here with the gender essentialism, like it really, it just gotta stop. Like what is a female bodied woman? Can I come to that class? Cause girl, me and you, we might have a lot in common. Or what about my, 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 my sister, the trans sister, can she come? Who can come to your class? Just say you wanna have a class for cis, cis women. Just say that, don't say female body. Just say this class is for cis women and show your hat. <clears throat> uh, I'm gonna mute. I so appreciate you. I took notes, Tristan, on your thing. I saw you taking notes and I appreciate you. I mean, I the, the thing that I immediately think though is that one of the questions I get in my work is, okay, so so we've established that that gender isn't what we were taught, and we've established that we need everybody to be in the fight. And so how do I do it? As it, this is the question coming from like a, generally speaking, a white cis woman yoga teacher who wants to know how she can create a more inclusive yoga space and how can she can she can make her yoga class safer for trans and non-binary folks and I always think I appreciate that people want to make their classes safer and more inclusive but that's not even necessarily what I'm asking for now it's this complex moment right where I'm like I don't want to be othered in yoga spaces and I don't want you to try to make your classes more inclusive so you can get more trans people in them. Like that's not the point, right? The point is for us to shift the culture together outside of yoga, but also reflected within yoga spaces, right? I think I think uh, I, I appreciate what you're saying uh, there, Tristan, because that actually lends to othering. You know, I want to be inclusive. I'm going to put a check mark about how I'm making the space, quote unquote, inclusive for, you know, trans folks or people of color, or, you know. Uh, so it's like more like a performative sort of nature to that. And I wanted to ask both of you if you have any thoughts and if you could please share what is your what are your thoughts on these performative, you know, observances on certain things like the trans day of visibility, for example, which is coming up. Um, any thoughts on that? So it's, I kind of want to call it trans day of performativity. <laughs> I want to rebrand it because this is really want to talk about yoga off of the mat. But what does that look like? We currently have a trans person, my heart is beating, who is a political prisoner right now. She's incarcerated. Her name is Jamie. And she was just at a concert and the state kidnapped her. And I remember maybe not eight months ago, what was it, eight months ago, we were aggressively fund, the yoga community was aggressively fundraising um, for Ash and Jamie to attend the retreat. So a good opportunity to do yoga off the mat would be to share Charlotte Uprising's fundraiser, the, the image that we'll link. Because I know y'all follow them, right? We, we fundraised for the same people. So that is, um, is a humble request. Mm. 
Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, that is, again, a practice of ongoing solidarity beyond a certain day or beyond a certain month. And I think, you know, one holds with with the tension that these are days or months or, you know, Black History Month and South, South Asian Awareness History Month and all these months are important as, as reminders that, hey, people in the dominant culture, which we are all a part of to some extent or the other, listen, read, center, and then not move on from it. Uh, continue it, it's a practice. No, it's just that it's a it's a daily practice, like how asana is integrated for a lot of people into their day. Writing is mutual aid is also like and a lot of the sutras talk about mutual aid. Um, but yeah, it's it's ongoing and daily. A lot of queer and trans people's survival is based on mutual aid, rent money. So my request is for the larger yoga community to not only do it for the the shiny things or the things that are directly linked to the word yoga because yoga is so much larger than that you know yeah so i just want to like reiterate what you are saying introduction make sure we also are going to share the link to jamie's uh mutual aid that you're referring to uh from the charlotte uprising organization or, or whatever that the collective yeah. um, so we will be we will be sharing that hi everyone i just want to pop in here really quick and remind you about our sponsor offering tree as yoga teachers we are our own business managers website designers and producers it's a lot and offering tree offers an all-in-one platform that makes it easy to succeed while we're doing all the things and I'd just like to say that through this partnership with the Love of Yoga podcast, Offering Tree has shown that it's committed to supporting accessibility and equity in the yoga world. Offering Tree is a public benefit corporation, and they're driven by a mission of wellness accessibility, which we share with them at Accessible Yoga. As an Offering Tree user, you'll get uh, to join a supportive educational community, and you'll also get free webinars with top experts in wellness and entrepreneurship. And of course you get a discount. So go to offeringtree.com backslash accessible yoga to learn more and to get your discount. Okay, let's go back to the episode. Any other thoughts on how social, you know, I also use how, how Tristan used allyship in quotes. I use nowadays, I use social justice in quotes because this word has been commodified like everything. So any thoughts on how the, and it's something that I've been really looking into and leaning into, like how are we not just using this as a hashtag or how are we actually leaning into the movements for justice? I, I mean, I think part of what's coming up for me in this whole conversation is unfortunately like, okay, so we need, we need trans day of visibility, but to Rudraksh's point, it's become trans day of performativity. I love that rebrand, by the way. Um, and unfortunately, you know, same with Black History Month, right? Like we need Black History Month. We don't need just a month, um, first of all. And second of all, it's become um, co-opted as like as a capitalism, as a force of capitalism, right? Um, and so all these people take these boxes during Black History Month and send out the newsletter with the reading list or whatever they do. But what are they doing apart from those performative outward actions? And to me, the same can be said about 
the, the question, which is an important one, I'm like, I really want us to hold the, the nuances in the both ands. We need these days and these months, and we need to be looking at these, these invitations for solidarity beyond just fundraising for a yoga retreat or um, sharing memes on social media on one day of the year or you know, and I think the question of, well, how do I make my class safer, more inclusive for trans folks? It's like, yes, we do need you to do that. And we also need you to the point that I feel like we're saying here to show up for all these other forms of action and quote allyship and solidarity. And if we're just focusing on showing up in solidarity in one way, but not the full breadth, the full width, the full expansiveness of what it means to be in the practices of justice, of yoga, then we're, we're, we're falling prey to the commodification of allyship, of solidarity, of yoga, of justice. And the words lose the meaning, right? It's like capitalism has taken over social justice. Um, to some extent. And capitalism has also taken over yoga. And to me, yoga invites us into allyship, but allyship itself is also now like performative and void of meaning in a lot of ways. So it's like we keep looking for more words to describe what it means to be in the practices to, to the point that Rudraksh make, made earlier too, like every single day, right? And and, and to fundraise, not just because there's a queer and trans yoga retreat and we want to get trans folks there, but where are the fundraising initiatives when that retreat isn't on people's minds and somebody is is, is being incarcerated, right? Um, like, this is what I hear us saying is like, can we not turn our eyes away from certain calls to action or certain moments that are happening um, because they fill in the blank, make us uncomfortable, um, cause we're, we have like collective trauma fatigue. Like there's so many reasons why we aren't engaged all the time. And, and some of those reasons are understandable and real and valid because care is needed. Um, like radical care. Uh, and, um, I, I really do wonder what it looks like for us to hold both the fact that trans day of visibility is needed and it's performative yeah. and to hold to the the allyship that happens around certain moments is also needed and we need more than just allyship in certain moments right and it's so amazing to me how many people aren't talking about the numbers of anti-trans bills that are sweeping the country and the anti-drag queen laws and the anti-bathroom and the anti like kids care like how are we not all in a collective uproar about this mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Tristan. Rudraksh, do you have anything to add here? I'm thinking about solidarity and trans solidarity and how social justice is, does, you know, how it's become a performance. And then what does that look like as someone who's like a savarna? You know what I mean? Like, what does that look like? So um, could you please tell the listener, share the listeners what a savarna is? Yes. Uh, so savarnas are... Um, past privileged folks. Um, and uh, this is directed towards Savarna folks because I saw a lot of <clears throat> performance this past month of holy and this and that and, you know. And the teachers, some of the South Asian teachers that we're following, that the masses are following, like, it's, it's they know about Holika, they know about the story. 
and yet they want to play and engage in this like festival that's inherently based on uh, caste violence. And it's like, why? <laughs> like you're so attached, aren't we practitioners? What is the attachment to these silly things like throwing colors at people when it's based on this super violent act? So uh, what Rudraksh is referring to, and I think it's an important one, so thank you for bringing that up, Rudraksh, is about um, so many of the festivals that we are quote-unquote celebrating or observing are contested. They are not uh, one story where it's quote, you know, quote unquote, the proverbial good versus evil. So who defines good? Who comes in that umbrella term of good? Who comes in the umbrella term of evil? And there, there is a lot of co-optation of uh, folks from caste oppressed identities who are depicted as the evil people in many of these stories. And that sort of got co-opted through centuries uh, by Brahminical patriarchy. And what Rudraksh is referring to uh, is important because we need to understand the nuances of caste in yoga spaces, as well as the capitalistic framework that says, let's not look into nuance because there is no time. Why is there no time? Because we are in a capitalistic framework. There is no time, let's sell the course. Let's sell, let's get more followers there, you know, when the priority is to get the numbers in, then there is no time for pausing and learning the nuances of the story. Mm, say that. I love that. And I'm just like here in the so-called United States, like it's like Thanksgiving, like we've let none of, none of my friends, we don't do that anymore. So it's the same, same as holy. I just wanted to add that little bit. Y'all need to let it go. Thank you. Okay, so is there anything else which is, uh, you know, something that you, you both want to talk about? The stage is yours. I'm just calling in deeper study, y'all. I just am calling in more study. Uh, and I'm going to name some names right now. These are epic teachers that will add a lot of clarity to your yoga practice. Mariam Kaba, we do this till we free us. And then um, Andrea Ritchie. And then um, what else? Shayna Small, I would like to call her into this space. Um, I would like to call in Indu Arora and Anjali Kamathrao. AKR, or the teacher formerly known as Anjali Kamathrao. Well, Tristan, you got some burning things you want to say? I don't know. I just, you know, this is such a huge conversation. And and to Anjali's point, like, and, and Rudraksha's point, like, we could we could do this all day, like, have these conversations. And, and, like, a podcast isn't even enough. Like, the container of a podcast isn't even enough. Um, so I, I guess I want to say, like, for folks listening, um, I don't know. I, I think I, I want to, to, to echo the invitation that Rudraksha is offering, which is like, how are you deepening your practice? And I don't mean like, how are you practicing those arm balances or <laughs> like, how are you getting upside down today? <laughs> like, how are we relating to the teachings, um, beyond studio culture or beyond, um, 
beyond asana or like how are you infusing your life um with these teachings and and so many of us i think are sold this um I don't know, like vegetarianism model of ahimsa is one of the things I'm thinking of. Like if ahimsa stops with like the food you put on your plate. Um, and I, I think we've come to understand that like the teaching of ahimsa invites us into understanding non-harm way beyond like what food we put on our plates. Um, but I really wonder like at this point in time in 2023, as we continue to navigate the consequences of the pandemic, which has impacted people in disproportionate ways, right? Based on identities um, and oppression and, and marginalization and these forms of violence. Um, how are we understanding the teachings today? I, I think is, and, and not just in a narrow-minded way, in a isolated me way, self way. Um, and so many people are saying, well, collective care, collective care, but like, what does it actually mean to in collective care? Um, and when we think about collective care on a day like Trans Day of Visibility, uh, how do we then think about the things we might contemplate on a day like Trans Day of Visibility, not just on that day, right? And I'm echoing like the thing I already said earlier, but I, I just like, I, I, I want us to understand, like I hear Rudrach saying like, read Miriam Kaba. And then I immediately think like, how many yoga teachers are going to be like, what does Miriam Kaba have to do with, with yoga? yoga? And abolition and yoga are like this. And I get it. I see it. I've read Miriam Kaba. I get it. I see it. It makes sense to me. But I wonder how we can have a, a conversation that somehow reaches people who don't see the ties, right? So that we can all start to see the ties that like all of this is, 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 can be, is connected. Um, abolition is connected to yoga, right? Um, dismantling systems of oppression is connected to yoga to me. And I just want to like, I, sometimes I start getting on a tangent about like what yoga and then I'm like, but I'm white. So like, I want to, I don't want to be like, I know what yoga is. And I know, like, I want to be very mindful that I'm not presenting myself as that white person who like has it all figured out about what, about yoga. Cause I don't, but what I do understand about yoga is that it does invite us to question systems of power and how they're playing out subtly, overtly in relationships, in physical spaces uh, and, and replicating. Yeah, but not only question, but we, we have the karma part to like actually do the damn thing. Yeah, because a lot of people get that a lot of folks just stay at the questioning, journaling, contemplating part. But the karma part is what is being needed in 2023 with like this wave of anti-trans like legislation. People, kids, people can get arrested for being trans. You parents can get arrested for having trans children. Like so, yeah. Just calling in more action, yeah. Forget about Asana. Leave her alone. She needs a break. She's tired of it all. She's tired. <laughs> well, thank you. I know I I I also appreciate this um, connection between abolition and yoga. I think it is absolutely central, and we need to keep repeating that. Uh, and unraveling and unpacking what that is. And to go back to your point, uh, Tristan, as you know, you mentioned as a white bodied person, can I say what, you know, can I even talk about it? And I would 
I would say yes, not not as a person who's giving you, you know, quote unquote permission. I'm no nobody to say that, but um I would say anyone who is actually looking at their practice and seeing how we can apply these teachings into our lives, into the world, and disrupt harm, uh, show how co connected we all really are, that is yoga. So if it doesn't, to me, it to me doesn't matter if you are white-bodied, brown-bodied at all, but if as long as we are in right relationship in our questioning, and then as Rudraksh said, acting upon those answers that we are seeking, um, and we are all, you know, we all again to go back to this thing of not doing it in an individual way. We are all not doing it in anything in an individual way. So that's why community is so in, integral. So I want to like thank you both first of all for being in community with me and uh, sharing with me with such courage, vulnerability, humor, and passion. I am indebted forever. And uh, I hope to continue the conversations with you uh, offline and online. I know that was the closing hook, but I have something to say about you. I didn't say it at the beginning because of anxiety, but I am so grateful and honored to have you as my mentor, teacher, and now friend. We are all so lucky, especially the trans. We know you have a soft spot for us. You always show up for us. You have our back. And we really fucks with you the long way, AKR. Like, we really do. You have, you have showed up when no one's looking, no one's watching. And I'm just so grateful for your guidance in my life. And thank you for making this uh, an opportunity for me. I mean, a lot there aren't a lot of teachers, you know, asking me to do things with them. And I understand why. So I'm so grateful for you actually making the space in, you know, talking. Uh, I'm gonna thank you. Bus, bus, hogya mera, bus. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your heart to Draksha. I so appreciate you. And I will close this conversation with uh, with just gratitude, with just gratitude for the magic of being you, the sheer audacity of you. Thank you. Thank you for being here for this conversation. Please support our work at Accessible Yoga Association by becoming an ambassador or checking out our studio at accessibleyoga.org.